In episode 542 with Natalie Ellis, the co-founder of Boss Babe, we are talking all about business, entrepreneurship, scaling, marketing, how to grow on social media, email lists, and so much more. For all the fellow Boss Babes out there, you are going to love this episode. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl, Open Wide, Comparisonitis, and Time Magic. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited about this episode because I've wanted to have Natalie on for so long. I have been on the Boss Babe podcast twice, and I have wanted her to come on for so long, and now it is here. So if you don't know who Natalie is, she is the co-founder and CEO of Boss Babe. She has been featured in major publications like Forbes, Inc., and Entrepreneur for her efforts, and has been invited to speak on stages all around the world. She is a social media expert and has grown the Boss Babe Instagram account to over 3 million followers in just three years. That is incredible. And from that following, she has generated multiple seven figures of revenue. Incredible. So for everything that we mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 542. This is an episode where you are going to want to get out your pen and paper, my friends. It is such a goodie. Let's dive in. Beautiful Natalie, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning? I have the same thing for breakfast every single morning. I have scrambled eggs with a good amount of cottage cheese. And I have sausage and then I have my electrolytes. I have the with hot water, lemon, and then I put hydrogen inside of them. I have the same thing every single morning without fail. I am a creature of habit as well and always have the same thing. I kind of rotate between two things when I get a little bit bored, but it just takes out that decision fatigue first thing in the morning. I know. And I feel like if I prioritize balancing my blood sugar first thing in the morning, My blood sugar then is way more likely to be balanced throughout the whole day than, you know, the roller coaster. I know if I just grab something in the morning and my blood sugar is everywhere, I'm going to make choices that I don't feel great about the rest of the day. It's so good for my energy and I don't have to think about the decision. Same thing, rinse and repeat, no matter where I am in the world, same order. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So can you start off by explaining what Boss Babe is? So You have created this amazing global platform for women entrepreneurs, which I absolutely love. And we've had Danielle on the podcast. She was episode 533, if anyone wants to go back and listen to that. And she shared about how she has left Boss Babe. But can you tell us what it is, why you started it? I would love to hear from your perspective. Yeah. So Boss Babe is primarily a membership platform to help women build freedom-based businesses. So I was involved with Boss Babe. Wow, it's been seven, eight years now. It's been a long time. I would say it really took off about 
five, six years ago and to get the traction that we have now. I initially started it because I felt like there was no place online for women like me. Really ambitious women who were working on their businesses, working on their goals. Now I think people hear that and think there's so many places like that. There's so many communities online like that. At the time, there wasn't. And so I had my own company and it was a product-based company and we were growing really, really quickly. And I felt like I was living on Google. I was Googling every single thing myself. How do I find suppliers? How do I find a factory? How do I find packaging? And I also felt really, really lonely in that. And so I had the idea of what if I start this online community where we all come together to talk about what we're building And then selfishly, there's a lot of amazing entrepreneurs in the world that I want to learn from. I feel like if I have this community, they're going to be more likely to come in and mentor us and give us masterclasses on what they're doing. And so that was what sparked the idea. And as Boss Babe's really grown, I would say our mission has gotten clearer and clearer. Just with my own personal journey, I've had all kinds of experiences with business. And what I've really realized is I got into business in the beginning beyond what I want to create in the world, I got into business in the beginning to create freedom for myself. And there was a point in time when on the outside, I had everything. But in reality, I had no freedom. I was really employed by my business. My entire schedule was dictated by other people. And that's where I've really honed down on helping women create freedom-based businesses because I wanted to know, could I turn this around? Could I actually create more freedom in my life without sacrificing my success? Is it possible? And that's really important to me in the season of life that I'm in. And doing that really inspired me to open that up to more women. So it's a membership and it's really evolved over the years to continue getting tighter and tighter on helping women build freedom-based businesses, primarily using social media and online marketing to build something that gives them freedom of their time, their location, their schedule, their finances. And that's the one thing that I'm really, really passionate about. Mm, I love it. And so have you guys done events? You've got your podcast as well. So you've branched out into events and podcasts. Anything else that you guys have done? We've done so many things over the years. We've done events. We've done tons of different kinds of courses, so many different experiences. Now we're not doing as many things. We have our membership, we have our podcast, and beyond that, very little else. We keep in touch with our community through social media and email, but we're really focused. We don't have that many offerings. We haven't done an event in a while, and I don't know when our next one will be. And I think that's just the season that I'm in. I'm really in a season of doing fewer things, but doing them with mastery and excellence. And I kind of challenged myself because I think as entrepreneurs, it can be very easy to constantly have ideas and constantly chase the shiny thing. I've really challenged myself to stick with one thing and just see where I could take it if I just put all my focus into one product and one media outlet, being the membership and the podcast, how far could I take it versus having my focus really, really diluted? So it's an experiment that's unfolding in real time, but that's, yeah, that's where we're going with it. So when you finished high school, what did you do after that? So you said you started a product-based business before you did Boss Babe. Tell us a little bit about that transition from school to what happened straight after. What were you interested in? What were you excited about? So I've been an entrepreneur since I was 13 and it came always has been a very natural thing for me. At 13, I had my own web design agency. I loved building websites. I was like really nerdy, loved that stuff. So I always had that within me. 
And when I finished high school, I went to business school. So I went to university, I went to business school. And when I was at business school, I started winning a lot of awards. I think I won 11 national awards when I was at business school for all of my different work in the realms of entrepreneurship, helping other people to understand what entrepreneurship is and how they could get involved in it. I was even part of a program with the government that had over $100 million in loans given out to young people to start businesses. So I've been very, very involved in it. So when I was in business school, I was doing a lot of this and I was getting a lot of publicity, which led to getting the most amazing job offer from one of the big four consultancy firms. And it was an incredible offer. It would have The sign-on bonus alone would have paid off, I think, all my student debt, which I had a lot of. I would have been able to move to London, have this steady paycheck. But in my heart, I just knew I was meant to be an entrepreneur, but I couldn't turn this down because, as I said, I was in a ton of debt. I didn't come from any money at all. There was no safety net for me. And so what I said to the company was, hey, I'm really interested in accepting your offer and I need a year. I'm just going to leave business school. I'm going to take a year. I'm going to travel and then I'm going to come work for you. And I set myself a challenge of if you can come up with an idea for a company in that year and you can make it work, you don't have to go take this job. And if you don't, you'll go take the job. So I kind of had that safety net. And so I'd had the idea during that year that I would create a product-based business. This is going to sound very normal now, but at the time it wasn't. So I had this idea for powdered supplements that you would put in smoothies. Back then, no one was doing this. I'm talking over 10 years ago, no one was doing this. This was revolutionary in the space I was in, in the UK. And I had this idea and I thought, okay, great. I'm going to get this manufacturer. We're going to go get this out there before I have to take this job offer. And I had this idea right after leaving business school. Yet it got to the year mark when I had to accept this job offer and I still had nothing to show for this because my product was still in development because it was taking so long to get it done with zero budget. So I actually had to make the call. They weren't willing to extend it any longer. They were like, Natalie, we've given you a year. This this job is going to expire. Are you in or are you out? And I decided I wasn't going to take it and I was going to go all in on this product. So it took me about another six months after that to get it off the ground And it was incredible. I built a huge audience on social media for this product. We were shipping to over 60 countries. We were in over 250 stores across the UK. It was amazing because it was so new and it was something we, we ended up building a real cult community around this product and this brand because there were very few brands doing it at the time. And I loved it. And that's when I started to realize, hey, this is very, very lonely. This is not my passion. Cash flow is a nightmare. What is it that I want to do? And so it served for me as a bit of a bridge into what I'm doing now. And I'm so glad I had this experience. And I'm so glad I didn't wait for anything to be perfect. Because if I had sat back and waited for me to find my purpose or find an idea that felt so in alignment with me, all the things I think we often think we need to have in place, I would never have gotten to the place I'm I'm at now. And I really think so much of our business or entrepreneurial or life journey is saying yes to opportunities that kind of take us in the general direction towards where we want to go. And it's always this unfolding journey. And for me, I feel like it's just been more and more and more of that. And every year I look at my life and I'm like, oh, I'm more in alignment now. Okay, I'm even more in alignment now. And that journey feels really good to me. I love this so much. I love it. Even though you didn't have the perfect plan or the perfect vision, you just kept on moving forward. And I love that because I see so many entrepreneurs who 
get stifled at that point and don't move forward because they're waiting for the idea to be crystallized or the path to become really clear. And we just have to keep moving forward. We have to just keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep learning and keep growing. And it will evolve. It will unfold. So I love that so much. And I know there's a statistic that you are familiar with, and that is that less than 18% of women hit the six-figure mark in their business, and only 2% reach seven figures. So this statistic is one of the driving forces behind your business. So I'd love to know from your perspective, what are the main factors that hold women back from reaching this six or even seven-figure mark? I see this across both men and women, to be honest, of chasing way too many things at once, not fully committing to the path, not being resourceful enough to really see it through. I feel like there's so many things that pop up that stifle and stop us from moving forward. And if we're not willing to just continue working towards that goal, or if we don't exactly know what it is, I see businesses shut down very, very early because there's always going to be huge roadblocks. There's always going to be a reason why you maybe shouldn't do something. There's always going to be a no. And if we cannot find that resilience and resourcefulness within ourselves to push through, it becomes a struggle. And I think that's a big reason people don't get over the six-figure mark, especially is that level of resourcefulness. You know, making sales in those early days can be really challenging. As a new entrepreneur, some people might have the best idea for product and they cannot fathom how to possibly bring in paying customers that, they, that aren't friends or family. And I get it. It can be really, really challenging. And I think there needs to be a level of we have to figure it out. We've got to figure that out. And there's often no early employee that's going to come in and figure that out for us. So I think that's one of the things that can help you push past the six-figure mark. And then when it comes to seven, I really think it's about being able to focus, to double down on what's working, not chase the shiny objects, not spend our money too quickly on way too many team members, way too many systems, way too much complexity, really being willing to focus on what's working and being willing to see incremental increases in our results. Again, when let's say you just cross that six-figure mark, that million-dollar mark might seem 10 years away. It might seem like, oh my goodness, I don't know how I could possibly make a million dollars. It doesn't even feel possible for someone like me. And to be able to reframe that mindset and refocus and just take it one step at a time, I think is incredibly important. And I would say that goes across the board for all entrepreneurs. It's possible because we see people do it every single day. We've seen proof of it every single day. But I don't think it's possible without that resourcefulness, that resilience, and that focus. All the tactics, all the strategies, they all work if we're willing to focus on them and push forward with it. Yes. And how big do you feel the mindset piece is? Because I know for a lot of women, there's the fear that comes up. Like you said, I couldn't possibly get to a million dollars. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of limiting beliefs. There's a lot of worthiness. How often do you see that play into people not achieving their goals? And I mean, does that come up for you? How do you work through it? Yeah, it's huge. I feel like Upper limits are a massive thing. I'm a big fan of Gay Hendricks' work on upper limits, where we have these upper limits within our mindsets, within our nervous systems that we feel comfortable with. And when we get close to brushing up that, we find ways to sabotage ourselves, often unconsciously. 
I see it play out time and time and time again. Someone will be telling me the reason that they didn't hit their goals and I can look at it and see that was really you brushing up against your upper limit and you couldn't possibly allow yourself to enjoy it or for it to get better and better. And so subconsciously you found a way to sabotage it. And so I think bringing those subconscious things, those subconscious limits into the conscious is really, really important. We don't need to heal everything tomorrow, but just having awareness around them, I think is really, really important. And I think at every single level that you push past, there's going to be that upper limit that you have to face off with. I have it myself all the time. It's actually a big part of all my curriculum. I teach this stuff. I have it all the time and I constantly have to re-examine my beliefs around that. I remember one belief for me being around my income and I didn't know this was playing out for me unconsciously, but I felt like if I hit a certain income level, I would ruin my relationships. And that stemmed from so many unconscious beliefs that I was building throughout childhood and watching other people have success. And so I was playing that out for myself completely without realizing it. And it was innocent. It was my mind. It was my nervous system trying to keep me safe. It was innocent, but purely bringing that into my awareness and just recognizing it for what it is was really, really powerful. And I'm always doing that. I always want to catch myself. Even now being in a scaling business, I I really have to catch myself that scale doesn't have to mean more work more busyness, more complexity. It gets to be fun. It gets to be simple. It gets to be easy, but I have to continue telling myself that and bringing that into my awareness. Is that your process? So when one of those limiting beliefs come up, is your process just simply bringing awareness to it and then reprogramming it? Do you have a little process that you take yourself through? Yeah, I have a couple of processes. I have an alignment audit and a candor check-in. And I do these pretty much every four weeks where the first thing is I get really clear on is everything that I'm doing and working towards in alignment with me? Because often if we are working towards something that is not in alignment or it's something that someone else wants of us, we will sabotage it subconsciously because it's not in alignment and we don't want it. And so I always try and bring into awareness is what I'm working towards actually aligned with what I want. So that's really, really important to me. And then I I like to have candor check-ins with myself and I have a full process, but I really get honest with myself about how I am performing, how I am showing up. If there are things that I'm putting off on a regular basis, I bring it into my awareness. So an example of something recently is I was offered a book deal and I realized I just kept putting off writing the proposal over and over and over again. And I was telling myself stories that I was too busy. It's not a priority, all of the things. And during one of my check-ins, I realized that is nothing but a story because if it was a priority to me, I'd be doing it. And so I just get curious, what is it about that that's making me nervous, that's making me procrastinate? Because we can put one foot on the gas and tell ourselves, I want the book deal, I want the book deal. But if one foot's on the brake subconsciously, you're going to keep spinning around in circles and never get the book deal. And I realized I was actually in fear of the book launch process. So I was already projecting way into the future what was going to be required of me and my story around what that would look like. And so I just brought awareness to it and just had those really honest conversations with myself, got back into alignment and then moved forward. But I think a lot can be achieved by just getting quiet and having those really honest conversations with ourselves because we all have so much more wisdom than we give ourselves credit for. We don't always need 
more coaches, more therapists, more podcasts, more courses, more, 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 we often need to just slow down, get quiet, ask ourselves, listen to our intuition, especially as women. Our intuition is so incredibly powerful and just see what comes up. And often the answer is already there. Yes, I absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah, totally. It's always within. We're always telling ourselves stories and sometimes they're really positive and inspiring stories and sometimes they're very negative and stories that don't serve us. So we need to get quiet, like you said, and listen to the stories that we're telling ourselves. I really do hope you write the book. Has there been progress on that? Yeah, I have. I've been making progress on it because I realized I just got to do it in my own way. And it was interesting. I think I just needed the permission to give myself to say, hey, just because you've seen book launches done in certain ways doesn't mean yours has to be that way. What if you do it in your own way? It's funny because I remember, do you remember, was it six or seven years ago, you were launching your book in the US and I was there with Nick Pigeon. Yes. You did an event at, was it Tom's in LA? Oh my gosh. That's yeah, right. And I was there. I was with Nick and she was like, oh, I'm going to go help my friend, Melissa. She's setting up for a book launch. I was like, cool, I'm going to come along. It just reminded me. I've just had that thought right there as we're talking books. Oh my gosh. That was in 2015. That was my first book, Mastering Your Mean yeah. Girl. Mm-hmm. With the green cover. I remember. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wow. That feels like a lifetime ago. And I think back to me at that time, I feel like I was such a little girl. It was so long ago, but Yes, we've known each other for a very long time and I've absolutely loved watching your progress and just always cheering you on. And I think the work that you're doing is absolutely incredible. Now, I'd love to ask you, if you're talking to like a solopreneur and they say that they want to scale their business, where should they start? I think the idea of scale is so interesting. And so I normally start with a lot of why. Why are we scaling this? What's the big goal? And what are we looking to achieve? Because I think scale can mean a lot of different things. It can mean, okay, I want to bring in more revenue. I want to bring in more money home. It might mean I want to do less and have a team work with me. And so I love to start with the why. And I love to start with, let's get clear on what scale looks like for you. Because you can absolutely scale, but you can scale in many ways that might not feel really good about where you're going. So let's say someone wants to scale because they want to be taking more money home, they want to earn more, then we wouldn't necessarily want to be bringing in a big team and adding complexity and all the things to the business because they're going to notice their revenue grows, but their profit margin doesn't. And so they might be doing a ton of extra work and actually taking home less money. And so I love to dig into the specifics around what is it you're looking to get out of it? Like if we talk about the real desire behind the scaling, what is it? And let's say someone says, you know, I have this business and it's it's having an amazing impact. I want to really scale my impact. I want to reach more people. I want to have a bigger revenue. I, I want to have a bigger team. I want to get to the point where I'm doing less work. Then I would say, let's take a look at what's really working for you. What's the product that, you know, out of all of your products is always performed the best. What's the marketing channel that's always continued to grow and bring in really excited people? What sales channel has always worked really well for you and brought in consistent conversions? And if the answer is, I don't know to any of those questions, that's exactly where I think someone needs to start is how can I get an offer working? How can I get a marketing channel growing? And how can I get a sales channel bringing in money consistently? 
And when you are able to do that, that's where you can really build an engine behind your business where it's very much a case of you can continue scaling this month after month because you know exactly what the engine is and you're just adding fuel to it. But I think those things need to be in place to even think about scaling first and foremost. Yeah, I love that. So helpful. Now, in terms of business growth, what strategies or tactics do you find are often overlooked but are crucial for success? I mean, I'm all about simplicity. I think every single strategy and tactic works, but I think they only work when you really commit to them. So I see people right now absolutely crushing it on Instagram with organic reels pointing to a many chat funnel, going into their own funnel, and it's, you know, printing money for them all day long. I see it going really, really well. I also see ads working really, really well right now. I feel like we went through a period where they weren't. They're working really well. So I could go into so many of those, but what really stands out for me of the people that are doing it really well is they are doing one thing and they are mastering it and they are doing it in a way that is very scalable and it's rinse and repeat. They can bring in their team. They can start handing this off and nothing breaks and it works. So I think simplicity is one of the best marketing tactics and strategies. Simplicity, when it's paired with excellence, when it's paired with mastery, that's going to be the channel that unlocks so much growth for a business. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. And that's exactly what we say in She Launch. It's right on point. But I'd love to switch gears now because I want to dig into something that you are so good at, and that is social media marketing. Now, your Boss Babe account has 3.4 million followers, which is just incredible. So what are the low-hanging fruits on social media that many entrepreneurs fail to take advantage of? The number one way to grow any account on any social media platform, no matter whether this was 10 years ago or whether this is tomorrow, is going viral. There is nothing that will replace going viral. It is the number one thing. And going viral doesn't mean millions of views, millions of likes. It doesn't mean that. All going viral means is that your content is being seen by people who don't follow you. So let's say you have a thousand followers and your reel gets 3000 views. You have just tapped into some form of virality because your content is being shown to people who aren't following you. That is the number one way to bring in an audience. It's the number one way to get discovered. There's nothing better than that. So that's the low hanging fruit, the, the high hanging fruit, like that is it. And figuring that out was not always easy because a lot of people hear that and they think, Natalie, I would have no idea how to even start. I have a very, very simple process that can get anyone listening going viral. I guarantee it. If they follow this process, they're going to go viral. Like I've never seen anyone follow this process and not go viral. Like I really mean that, but it's also not something you can implement tomorrow. So the process is I want you to go and find 10 accounts who have similar ideal clients, ideal followers that you do. And there's always going to be 10 accounts. I even hear people say, Natalie, what I do is really unique. There's no one else out there like me. I disagree. Just because there's not another account like yours doesn't mean your ideal clients, your ideal followers are not following someone else. So really dig in and find 10 of those people. I like to open up a spreadsheet. I'm a spreadsheet girl. Open up a spreadsheet and I want you to scroll through their content and find 10 viral pieces of content that they did. So the way that you'll find that is, let's say you go on the Reels tab, you'll scroll through, you're seeing, 
okay, that got 10,000 views, 10,000 views, 10,000 views. Wait, this got 100,000 views. It went viral. Okay, let me copy that link. Let me put it into my spreadsheet. So you're going to find 10 people and you're going to find their 10 viral pieces of content. You're going to put it into a spreadsheet. So you will have 100 pieces of content. Now, every time you go to make a piece of content on social media, and I want you to do it every single day for 100 days, you would go into your vault, you would pick a reel, and you take a look at it and you would analyze it. What was it that went viral? Was it the audio? Was it the thing that they did to get attention? Was it the hook? Was it the way it was structured? Was it the colors, the tones? Was it the content itself? Was it the message? Really dig into what it was and think about, is there a way I could repurpose this using my own content that might land in a similar way? Would it make sense for me to repost this and give someone credit for this? Really think about whether you repurpose or repost for 100 days. I guarantee you, if you commit to doing this, your account, your business, your life, none of it will look the same as it did the day you started. It is a phenomenal way of learning your audience, learning your unique content style, learning the algorithm, learning what works. It is honestly foolproof. It just takes some time because it takes a lot of consistency and willingness to stick with it every single day. Because there's probably going to be a good couple of weeks where no one is watching, no one is liking, no one is commenting. And it's so easy during that time to just decide to give up to throw in the towel. No one's interested. No one cares what I have to say. This isn't working. This strategy doesn't work. I need something else. It's the best strategy out there for doing it. Stick with it. And I promise you, when you get to that 100 day mark, you will look back and not only will you be so proud of yourself, but the results you'll have are phenomenal. Wow. And people inside your membership, have they done this? Yep. I've been doing this with clients for years now and the results that I get will blow your mind. It's incredible. Like I've helped people build seven, eight figure businesses, accounts with millions of followers multiple times. It works. And also, you know, people. not everyone wants to build accounts with a million followers. Some people want to get 10,000 followers and build amazing businesses around that. Whatever your goals are, this is one of those strategies that it works if you stick to it. Mm-hmm. What are some of the reasons why people wouldn't do it? Because it takes so much work, time and effort and energy? Yeah, because a lot of people have stories that they aren't good at social media, that they have nothing good to say, that they don't understand content because it's new to a lot of people. And I totally get it. It's not something that a lot of us grew up with the way that kids do now. And so it's often that mindset thing that holds people back. And I think a lot of people can struggle to stay consistent when they're not getting results. Because it is one of those, it's very delayed gratification. It's a very delayed process. It might take a few weeks to really ramp up. And I just see a lot of people choosing to give up after 30 days. The people that stick with it, the results are just phenomenal because there's one day something hits, something goes viral. And if you can stay consistent and really ride that wave, that's it. Your entire trajectory with your online business is different now. Mm, Yes. Are there any common mistakes that you see people make when they're trying to grow? Doing everything, trying to do everything because they're seeing this person's posting about this strategy and this person's posting this and reels are interesting, but I heard about carousels and I'm going to try this and what about this? And 
They flip-flop between every single strategy. They buy every mini course, download every PDF, and there's so much noise. They almost get confused because there's too much advice versus keeping it simple, really thinking about why am I on here? What part of my life or my business do I want to showcase to give my ideal client more clarity, to give my ideal client results, impact? And how do I want this to fuel my business? How can I use social media to fuel my business? Really thinking about it in a simple way in those terms and following a simple strategy like the 100 posts, that's often all you need. Everything else is great. You know, you can optimize your bio and I sell a social media course. So I'm not saying they're terrible. I'm just saying you don't always need all the bells and whistles. I love telling people you can do this with or without support. It's totally up to you. It's just about staying consistent and knowing why you're on there and how it's going to support your business. And then eventually, you know, when you've got a bit of that momentum, you do want to be building funnels. You do want to be plugging that into the engine of your business. And that's where a lot of the support does come in handy. But getting started, everyone can do this. Mm, I love it. I love it. The social media algorithms are often changing, which can feel really frustrating and defeating. So how do you stay ahead of the curve to ensure that Boss Babe's content remains effective and engaging? Well, although algorithms are changing constantly, the premise of growing on social media has never changed. It's virality. It's always been virality. The way that the algorithm changes is just it prioritizes different content to go viral. So an example is we didn't used to have reels. We used to have quotes and posts and static images, and that would be what went viral. So when you're doing your your research on what's working, it would be all static posts. And then carousels were introduced and we were all getting bonus points for using those. And then reels were introduced and we were all getting bonus points for using those. And so although algorithms are shifting and new features are constantly coming out, the same principles stay the same. And I think it comes back to building your business based on principles versus tactics. Principles are virality is the the core of my social media audience building strategy. And no matter how the algorithm changes or what kind of content is working, I'm going to stick to those principles and I'm going to adapt based on what's actually landing. Tactics are, okay, many chats boosting engagement. Okay, if I get the DMs up, I'm going to get more story views. All right, if I wear this kind of color on my reel, it's going to attract more attention. Okay, if I do a three-second reel versus a five-second reel, it's tactical. And I'm not saying there's no place for those, but you have to have a strategy based on principles as a foundation and sprinkle in those tactics. And that's what I think will drive success. So I've always run Boss Babe's social media account for, I mean, seven or eight years now. I've always stuck to the exact same principles, no matter what's changed, no matter how different things are. And I bring in the tactics. So any social media that we bring in, I personally train them and I train them on the principles of how we do it. And then I let them bring in their own tactics. But I say, hey, tactics are only going to get us so far. We need to stick with the principles and we'll sprinkle in the tactics to keep posts relevant, to go on trends, to keep things fresh, but we don't change our principles. It can feel so confusing and a bit overwhelming. It's like, do you do three second reels? Do you do five second reels? Do you do hashtags? Do you do trending audios? Does it even work with the trending audio? It's got to be under 20,000, but some people say, no, it doesn't have to be. Like there's so much confusion out there and it can feel really overwhelming. So 
Do you feel like just focusing on doing that research and going viral is the way? A hundred percent, yes. Because you will learn as you're doing this, you might notice a trend. You might be like, oh, this went viral and it's actually not even a trending audio or this went viral and it's XYZ. I had a viral post. It's still going viral. It's over like 6 million views a few weeks ago. And it was a six second video. I used my own audio. I didn't put a filter, like nothing. And I put it out then it went viral because it's principle-based. There are trends that we can hop on. And if someone wants to incorporate trends into their business, which is trending audios, it's the length of reels, it's the trends that are going around, the challenges that are going around, maybe two days a week, you jump on a trend. Five days a week, you stick with the principles of what works. I think that's an interesting way to infuse it in. But if you are in a place where all of that's confusing, get your principles clear. Because I am in a place where I can hand off the reins of Boss Babe social media to someone else and they can keep it growing. They can keep it growing. They can keep it monetizing. All of that. The engagement will stay the same. If they then came to me and they were like, this is trending. I'm like, okay, great. Let's try it on top of what we're already doing. And maybe it will work. Maybe it will boost things. But I know if we stick to consistently the principles of what does work, we're going to find that growth. I love it. So tell us, what are some of your principles? Virality is the main one. Virality is the main principle. And I just have my own way of doing that. It's, it's very different for every single person's account because I know within my ideal audience what works. I know if something is very empowering. I know if it says something that they want to say, but they're not saying. Like I basically have a list of seven things that I can run my content through and I'll know that's what's going to get engagement, no matter if it's a carousel, a reel, a static quote. You know, people often tell me no one's engaging in quotes anymore. And I'll show them, well, my recent one got quarter of a million views, uh, like, sorry. So it does work because I stuck to the principles that work with my audience. And I understand my ideal client on a level that I know what's going to resonate with them. Because if I spent all of my energy jumping into trends, if every single day I was on my phone looking for a trending audio and I'm lip syncing and I'm dancing and I'm doing all this stuff, I'm spending more time trying to be cool and trending than I am getting to know my audience and being able to speak to where they're at. So that's where my principles are based on. But the, the foundation of it all in terms of growth is virality. And in terms of monetization, my goal with monetization with my social media account is how do I take my followers and turn them into email subscribers? Because once they're in my ecosystem, I know they're going to be jumping into my membership, listening to my podcast, going into courses, things like that. And so my strategy there is we always promote free PDFs or free trainings and we cycle through a certain amount of them every month. We have a certain amount of those posts go out every single week. And I can tell you like clockwork, how many leads we bring in per week, how much revenue we bring in per week, because it's very rhythmic and systemized. I think that's the kind of principle that you can use to build an account of millions versus hundreds of thousands, where it's very exhausting to be hopping on trends every day. It's exhausting to be building a social media account based on the algorithm because it's changing constantly and you can always feel behind. You can feel like you are feeding the beast of social media and getting nothing in return. I left that game a long time ago and I continued staying in my lane. I will also say another thing of all throughout my journey of doing this, again, I've always been the one in the business that's drove our community strategy. And people in the business have said this to me, peers, friends, clients, 
you are leaving so much money on the table by not going to this platform, this platform, this platform. And I've always said, well, you can do that. I'm going to stick with mine and I'm going to master mine and I'm going to put my blinders on. And that has been incredibly powerful because instead of building an audience of hundreds of thousands on every single platform, I doubled down so hard on one platform that I have. I mean, our audience reach now is over 5 million across. And that's because I feel like I just studied the platform and I got really, really good at it. And I wasn't having myself stretched between all the different platforms and learning all the content types. Whether that's amazing business advice, I don't know, but it's really worked for me. And I really do say sticking with one or two things and doing it really, really well is going to give you the competitive advantage you think you're going to get by doing 10 things. We think our competitive advantage is going to come from being everywhere all the time. I just don't think so. So I know that's a bit of a rant. I feel strongly about it. And it's just the way that we've built our business. Yeah, babe, I absolutely agree with you. And this is what we teach in She Launch. And I actually heard Alex Hamozzi speak about this. He says, master one platform. Not until you have mastered that do you then move to the next one. And for me, that was such a relief. You know, I was like, wow, okay, great. I can just focus all of my attention on Instagram because that's the one that I'm focused mostly on. And I do still share across other platforms, but my main focus is is on Instagram. So I am glad that you said that because I feel like it's definitely a powerful strategy to just really home in on that one particular platform, go for it. And so many people said to me, you need to get on TikTok, you need to do this. And I'm like, there's only one of me. And yes, you can outsource all of that. But I feel like for me, then it just doesn't have that authenticity, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm on the exact same page as you. And I think you can outsource to an extent. But if you have no process for how your audience has engaged and monetized on that platform, it's very different as entrepreneurs. I just think you're not going to get the results from outsourcing it from the get-go that you would if you master something, then hand it off to someone and then go master another platform. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. Now, you have such a strong, vibrant community. What have been some of the most effective strategies that you guys have used to cultivate and grow this community? I think consistency in intimacy with our community you know, there have been very few weeks that I'm not on calls with our community in our membership specifically. You know, I'm in there every single week on calls. I get to know people by name. I introduce them to other people that become their best friends, their business partners. They remember where they made that connection. I really haven't wavered on that. And I think that's been a really big part of building a community versus an audience because a community feels like it's two-way. They know me and I also know them. And as the community's grown and the business has grown, I've really tried to never lose sight of that. I listen to my audience. I put them first. I make decisions with them in mind. And I think they can feel that. And I think a business and a community have, has a different feel when you know that you're important. So it sounds simple, but for years, I've been on the calls every single week and I prefer not to miss them. And I you know, I've watched my members' lives evolve and I get really engaged in their lives and I love knowing what's going on for them. And I think that that two-wayness is really powerful and I don't know if you can replace that. No, definitely not. Definitely not. 
Now, tell us who is in your team. You know, a lot of people can look at Boss Babe and look at you and go, wow, she must have this giant office and huge team. Can you talk us through who's in your current team? Yeah, there's just nine of us. It's a pretty small team. I can walk you through kind of what my team structure looks like, but I have an amazing COO. She is incredible. She is my right hand. I have an amazing assistant. Again, another one of my right hands. I feel like those two people are really important for me personally, navigating my time and where my energy goes in the business. I have a great content manager, product manager, operations manager. We have customer service. We have a project manager. We just keep it simple. I love having a virtual team. We have a lot of flexibility in our team. I believe in having freedom in my own life. And so I want to give that to my team as well. We do whatever we can to give them the freedom so that they can go and do the things that they want to do. You know, I'm the kind of person where I'm like, I don't care what time you get your job done as long as you get your work done. Every summer, we go down to four-day work weeks. Every holidays, we take two weeks fully off the grid and nothing's happening within the business. It's just little things that we do throughout the year that feels really good. And we're just a very, very small, tight-knit team. Yes, I love that. So beautiful. And are they based all over the world? Yeah, they are. We have team all over America and then in the UK as well. Beautiful. I love it. Okay. I'd love to leave the business side of things just for a minute and dig into your personal habits and rituals. Before we started recording, we were chatting all about mamahood because we both have little daughters who are just mm, so cute. So I would love to hear how you move through your day. Like what are your daily rituals and habits and practices? Do you meditate? How much time do you get for yourself? Can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, my days are very rhythmic and very structured. So every day kind of has a theme. I do different things based on each day. So I'll give you like a high level of my themes and then I'll go into the details. So on a Monday, it's pretty much all white space in my calendar. I have one meeting with my entire team and I use a Monday to just strategically analyze the business. I look at our numbers. I look at how things are running. I'm just in the details looking at things. Tuesdays, I have all white space and that's the day where I'll create things. I'll get content out there. Again, if I'm working on any new products, anything like that, I have the day free. Wednesday, I will have meetings internally and externally. Thursday, like today, I do podcasts. I have my CEO mama coaching calls. Fridays, white space. I loved Fridays to be self-care days. I love to have nothing on the calendar. So that's a high level how my Monday to Friday looks. Every single day, it kind of runs on a rhythm. So my daughter wakes us up about 5 a.m. every single morning. I would love it if it was a little bit later, but it is not. I'm still breastfeeding, so she'll come in bed with me, my husband, and I'll feed her and we'll just kind of snuggle and spend that time together. We get up, my husband makes breakfast for us while I'm playing with Noemi. We have the same breakfast every single morning. I keep that on a rhythm. It makes me feel amazing. And then I that we alternate. My husband works out with our trainer in the garage. We have a, a gym in our garage, or I will. So we alternate on days. If he's working out, he goes and does his workout. I take my baby on a walk. We go on a walk. We're talking. I might listen to a podcast if she's chilling. We come back. Her nanny arrives. I start getting ready for the day. I hop into whatever my day looks like. If I'm working out, I do that too. And then, yeah, I kind of get started with whatever I've got on. I sometimes like to, before I start my workday, meditate. I sometimes like to read a book. Sometimes I like to listen to a podcast. Sometimes I just like to get stuck straight in, make a coffee and get going. 
Sometimes I'm microdosing and I just have that ritual. I dive straight into my work. It very much varies based on the theme of my day. I wrap up at the latest 4 p.m. every single day, at the absolute latest, often earlier, but 4 p.m. And then we get outside, we go do activities, we play, family dinners, drop in. I'm really not on my phone very much after that as well. And then that's how my day flows. It's very much the same every day. I'm kind of in a rhythm, in a flow, and it feels really good. I love it. So beautiful. Do you have any productivity hacks that have made a really big difference for you since becoming a mom, especially? I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, but blood sugar is everything. Blood sugar is at the foundation of all of your productivity. It is so, so important. If you are on a blood sugar roller coaster, your energy is going to be up and down and you're going to find it incredibly hard to focus. So I have things at the foundational level. I get my blood sugar very regulated. I take supplements that make me feel really good because so much of productivity is how are we actually feeling if we're exhausted and distracted and tired, like we're just not getting things done. So at a foundation, just how am I feeling? How am I taking care of my body? Am I going on walks? How are my stress levels? That part's really important. Second to that is I theme my days. I do not context switch because if I context switch, I lose so much time in between. So I'm either creating all day or I'm in meetings. Like I really batch everything together. That really, really supports me. And then there's little things that I do too. I'm, I I like microdosing. I find that's really powerful when I want to be fully in the zone and productive. I also, I have a little gum on my desk. I'm trying to look at what it's called. I think it's called NeuroGum. And it has like a little bit of caffeine and a few other supplements in that I sometimes chew and I feel like it gets me really focused. I have like focus gummies that again, they have a couple of supplements in that I feel really, really help me. I stay super hydrated. I've always got this huge water bottle on my desk. Very, very hydrated. And then the way I schedule my days, I just make sure I have three priorities that are my needle movers. They're my priorities. And I make sure I get those done and I don't let anyone pull me off track. Everyone will project their priorities onto you. Everyone will. And it's not a bad thing. Everyone's working on their own stuff. I think you have to be really discerning what's my priority, what's their priority. And so I'll get mine done first and then I'll move on to other stuff. And I keep it simple, but that's that's kind of my my way of focus. And also, you know, you probably feel the same way, but since having a baby, I don't want to waste my time. If I'm at my desk, I better be working and being productive because otherwise I'd rather be with her. So if I am sitting down, I'm this, if someone comes on a meeting and wastes my time, I'm out. I'm not going to sit on a meeting and chit chat when I don't need to. I'm just not going to waste my time. I'm not going to sit scrolling social media. I'm not interested. I've got stuff to do. And I just have those boundaries with myself of like, and if I ca- if I find myself doing it, I consciously remind myself, hey, you're sitting scrolling social media when you could be spending time working on something that's going to move the needle or being with your baby, your family, your friends. Why are you doing this? And I catch myself in the loop. I, br- I bring awareness to it and I move on. Yes, I love that. I think when you become a mom too, you become so laser focused. The same. I'm like, if I catch myself sitting on social media, I'm like, what are you doing? Exactly. Go and do something for your business or go and be with your daughter. A hundred percent. It's a vortex. It will pull you away if you let it. Like you have to be so conscious about it. A hundred percent. Are there any tools that you swear by, whether it's in your business or your personal life or any apps, programs, softwares, whatever that you can't live without? I love this stuff because I'm always like, oh, I haven't tried that one. Yes. I have built 
my entire life and business in Notion. There is not a document that I would need that is not in Notion from, I mean, all the information on my car registration to my passport information to how I like to travel to how I schedule my days. Everything is in a hub in Notion. Everything is there. I can access it on my desktop, on my phone. It's like a playbook to my entire life. It's the keys to my entire life and business. I swear by it. Asana is another one. I love using Asana to organize all of my projects for myself, my whole team. We communicate on Slack. Slack's great. Other tools that I use a lot is the Google Suite. So Google Sheets, Google Docs, everything's in there for Boss Babe. I love Canva for all of my designs. Kajabi for hosting my courses. Everything is in there. Let me see what else. Because I'm I'm just a big fan of the apps that really support me and help me. I would say those are the main ones. I feel like I've tried every productivity tool and those are the ones that I always kind of come back to. Yes, so many. I use so many of those as well and absolutely love them. But you have so much going on and you are a mama. With so many moving pieces, how do you avoid burnout? Like, what do you do? The biggest thing that works for me for avoiding burnout is knowing what season I'm in and what buckets I'm pouring into and what buckets I'm okay leaving on low. So I think burnout and mum guilt and all of those things can come from having competing intentions or competing thoughts of intentions. I should be with my baby right now. I should be working more right now. I should be spending more time with my friends right now. I don't buy into any of the shoulds at all. And I think about what season I'm in. And so there's, if we think about all the buckets of our life, right? We have business, we have close friendships, we have acquaintances, we have family, we have our romantic relationship, we have our business, we have our team in our businesses. Like I could list out 10, 15, 20 buckets, our health, everything that we have. I don't care who you are. It is physically impossible to pour into every single bucket all the time in every single season and do it really well without burning yourself out. It's impossible. I think we first need to acknowledge that and be really honest about that. It's not going to happen. And so in every single season, I think about what buckets am I pouring into? What's really important to me? So for example, if I'm in a busy season with work, it's often I'm pouring into work, I'm pouring into my health, I'm pouring into my relationship with my daughter, my relationship with my husband, and that's it. And that might mean I decline a lot of invitations for podcasts, for friend hangouts, for trips. I decline a lot of things. And for a lot of people, that can be really hard to say no. For me, I know what I need to do to protect myself. And that is really, really important. And I think as I've gotten older and as I've had my baby, I'm just no longer willing to compromise on my health and happiness to please other people. And so I think that is the number one thing for avoiding burnout because we often burn ourselves out because we're doing things to please everyone but ourselves. And so think about the season that you're in. You know, there's other seasons where I really want to pour into my community and I think, okay, I'm going to take a day off per week and I'm going to pour a little bit less into that area of my business. And I'll pour into my community. And this day, I'm going to go be hanging out with friends and I'm going to be organizing things. And, and then I, I think about, okay, if I'm doing that, what's got to give? Something's got to give. Something's got to come off my plate for me to feel like I can do that. And it really, really helps me. Yes, I love that so much. And I love visualizing it like all of these different buckets. 
and just going, what season am I in right now? Am I in a full work season? Okay, maybe I need to say no to the social outings or things like that. It's just about getting really honest with yourself and going, what season am I in? Where am I at? And checking in with your energy levels. I have this rule that if it is not a whole body yes, then it is a no thank you. I never go to anything or say yes to anything if I'm like, I'm not sure. I don't know. And if I ever am like that, I will have a conversation with my husband and be like, I'm feeling unsure about this. Can I just talk it through with you and we'll have a conversation? But usually it's like a full body yes or a no thank you. And that's how I avoid burnout because we do, we want to say yes to everything because it's fun. But something that's come up a lot for me since having my daughter is this topic of mum guilt. I'd heard people talk about it. Obviously, I'd never experienced it. And now I'm like, oh, okay, I get what they're talking about. So does it ever come up for you? And if so, how do you move through it? It does come up for me. And I move through it really, really quickly by asking myself, what am I shutting right now? So if it comes up for me of like, I feel really guilty. I should have spent more time with her this week. Then I'll examine it. Okay, should you? Should you have spent more time with her this week? Do we absolutely know that to be true? Well, you know, maybe not because I've really been enjoying taking the time for myself and it's been really filling me up. And I've been working on this project that I am really passionate about and it's going to provide a lot of things for our family. And so maybe, no, I shouldn't have spent more time with her this week. Maybe the amount of time I've spent is perfect and that's going to change in a season. I have that dialogue with myself and I can shift the mum guilt really, really fast. And so anytime mum guilt comes up for anyone listening, quickly acknowledge where's the shoulding. Where are you telling yourself you should have done something differently or be acting a different way to what you really are and get fully honest with yourself? And sometimes, you know, the answer might be, you know what? Yeah, I should have done that because that wasn't what I wanted to do. I went to that event. I really didn't want to. I really didn't enjoy it. Actually, I felt like I should have been home with her because that would have filled me up more. Okay, great. You don't need to feel guilty about it. You know, we're all human. We all are on this human journey. Just acknowledge it and change it for next time. And so I I flip it very, very fast. Yeah, that's an incredible skill that I want every mama to have. Just dig into the should. I know for me, I had this belief, I had this story that I was telling myself that in order to be a good mother, I needed to be with her every waking second of her day. Like I literally told myself that story and I was like, where is that story coming from? And I dug deeper into it. And then I was like, thinking about me, do I want someone to be with me every waking second of the day? Like, would I want my husband to be with me every second of the day? Would I want my best friend? Would I want my children? And the answer is no, I want some time to myself. I love that. You know what I mean? I was like, well, she would like some time by herself to play by herself. She would also like to be with other people that aren't me. I know she loves me. I know she loves me very much. But like, I don't want to hang out with my husband all day, every day. I need to mix it up. So that really helped me let go of that story that I was telling myself. And something that my midwife said to me when I was pregnant, before she'd even come, she said to me, because we were doing some lineage mother line healing stuff and some stuff came up for me. And this was actually in a yoni session. So my midwife does these two internal yoni healings before you give birth. And it's incredible. 
And she said to me, Melissa, let other people love your daughter. Wow, I have chills. Same. Because I was like, no, that's my role. I've got to love her and be with her. And yes, of course. But she was like, let other people love her. Let the grandmothers love her. Let the friends love on her. And that really stuck with me because it allowed me to open myself up to allowing other people into our life and to love her and nourish her and watch her grow. And it's been really beautiful. But don't get me wrong, the guilt does still come up. But I do. I ask myself, where is this coming from? What is the story I'm telling myself around this situation? And then when I can identify the story, I can let it go. Oh, I love that. What an amazing insight. Yeah, it's big. I also think in society, there's like these, it's almost like a bit of a competition with like guilt or something like, oh, I feel so guilty. And I'm like, no, let's not talk about that. Let's just celebrate like when we are with our children, be with them when we're doing something else, when we're on a walk by ourselves, do it. The other day I went for a walk in the morning before she woke up by myself. I was literally almost doing cartwheels. I was so happy. I was like, this is so nice. Yes, I love my daughter so much, but it is so nice to go for a walk by myself. It fills me up. And I think as mamas and as mama entrepreneurs, We need to fill ourselves up and do something for ourselves every single day. Otherwise, we're giving from that empty place. Oh, I love that so much. It's so true. We need time on our own. We absolutely need it. Otherwise, yeah, you just, you're not giving from a place that you know you could be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, honey, I would love to hear now if you had a magic wand and you could put one book in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, besides your future book, what is one book you would choose? The Five Personality Patterns. Ooh, I haven't read that. It's great. It's just a really good way, I think, of understanding yourself and understanding others. And I think that would help a lot of kids to build a better relationship with themselves. Or can I have two? The Four Agreements as well. I feel like everyone needs to read The Four Agreements. And if I had that in school, that would have helped so much with all that high school drama and all the things we all go through. I feel like that book is like, it's such an easy read. I feel like everyone should have a copy. Absolutely. It is such a good book. If you have not read it, go and read it. And I will link to both of them in the show notes as well as all of your amazingness. But I'd love to hear what's bringing you the most joy in your life right now. My baby. I love her name. Noemi, I know. Nothing is bringing me more joy. Nothing even comes close. It's just the best experience to be her mom. I'm sure you feel it. It's It's the best. Nothing compares. It just really puts everything else in perspective for me. I love what I do and it's so much fun, but it doesn't compare. No, I agree. I absolutely agree. Before we started recording, we spent 15 minutes just talking about how much we love our daughters. It's so beautiful and I totally agree with you. It's just, it's magical. It's absolutely magical. Okay, honey, I've got three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is one thing that we can do today for our health? Take a walk. Mm, Yes. 
by yourself, ideally. <laughs> yes, solo walk. <laughs> okay, what is one thing that we can do for our wealth? That's a really good one, one thing. Me personally, if I'm saying what I would do, build a personal brand on social media. I feel like it is an amazing, amazing way to build wealth now and into the future. Yeah, absolutely. And what does that mean? What does that mean, build a personal brand? For someone who's like, what does that mean? It means get really clear on, you know, how you want to show up in the world, what message you want to have and put that into your content on social media and build a community around it. So it's not necessarily tied to a specific brand or product, but it's your personal brand that can evolve with you no matter what season you're going through. You could build a community of people that are really interested in the same things. And I just think that is such a a great way to tap into wealth building now and in the future because you can promote all kinds of different brands. You can support all kinds of different brands. You can build your own brands. But a lot of the serial entrepreneurs that we know in today's creator era started with their personal brands. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, last one. What is one thing that we can do for more love in our life? Give more love. Put the defenses down and tell the people around you how much you care about them and how much you love them. I feel like what you put out, you get back. So if you want more, give more. Oh, I love that so much. So beautiful. Is there anything else that you want to share? If someone is listening to this and they think, I want to be part of that 2% of women who want to hit seven figures, if you could give them just one piece of crucial advice to get started, what would it be? I think it can sometimes be easy to listen to an interview like this and get overwhelmed because there's a lot of things thrown around. There's a lot of strategies you might hear and so much of it might seem so far away. But if you can commit to doing something every single day, really doing something every single day that moves you closer to where you want to be, you will not recognize your life 12 months from now if you commit to it. And I think that's the biggest thing anyone can do. And you don't need to know exactly what that big vision or exactly what that North Star is, but commit to doing it anyway in that general direction and you'll find it. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Natalie, you are such a gem. I have loved this conversation so much. I love the work that you are doing in the world. I cannot wait for your book. I am so excited. I've been on your podcast and I absolutely loved that experience and I've loved watching you grow with Boss Babe. It's just so beautiful. You're helping so many people. So how can I and the listeners give back and serve you today? Sharing this episode would be amazing. That would be incredible. Tagging me on Instagram at I am Natalie, tagging you too. I feel like that would be an amazing way to support and get this out. And, you know, I trust that whoever's listening to this, it's really supported them or it's something that they needed to hear to work towards their goal. And hopefully it'll find more people like that. Beautiful. I have one final question. Can you tell me something? that you have recently changed your mind about? I mean, having a second baby, I thought that I would want to start trying as soon as Noemi hit 18 months. And I feel like, no, I've changed my mind. I want to push that back a little bit longer. That was a big, I thought, okay, I'd be ready. Like, let's go in a couple of weeks. And actually I'm like, no, you know what? Give me another year or so. I'm enjoying this time right now. Yeah, big decision change. Beautiful. 
Oh, I love that. Well, she is just such a little light as you are. And I just want to thank you again so much for being here and for all the incredible work that you do and continue to do. You know, something that I love about you is you're so consistent. You just keep showing up, keep showing up and keep showing up. And you're such a beautiful person. You really do care. Like you can feel that you really do care. And this has been such a delight. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. I truly hope you loved this conversation as much as I did and you got so much out of it. I hope you have pages and pages of notes to implement into your life. And if you loved this conversation as much as I did, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts because it means I can keep getting on these incredibly inspiring guests for you. And it also means that all of my episodes will just pop up in your feed so that you never have to go searching for a new episode. Now, jump on over to Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me what you got from this episode. I love hearing your biggest key takeaways. And The way that you really embed new wisdom and new knowledge is by writing it. So come and tell me what you got out of this. That is going to allow you to really integrate the wisdom and the learnings that you have heard today. So come on over and do that now. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself and for showing up today for you you rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. You can take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.